0: Now, this morning, what I'm going to talk to you about is something that's been, for most of us, what we've been experiencing in the last little while. I mean, we have seen in the last couple of months some changes that have been happening within the church. And good changes, bad changes, whatever they might be, you know, does affect the church in one way or another. But I want to talk to you this morning about a man This man is Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah was an interesting man. This man was a very bold, courageous, and tenacious man. But what is interesting about this man, Nehemiah, is that he was the servant's king, or he was serving the king. And God began to put something on his heart. And it was, it was strong. So strong that he just could not avoid it. He couldn't ignore it. And yet something in him was like, I got to speak to the king. And I'm not looking forward to it. He said, he, actually scripture says he was afraid to approach the king about what he was feeling in his heart to do. Because as he knew of his people and the temple that had been Burnt down and had been damaged, it had been destroyed for quite some time. And it sat there for quite some time. No one had the heart to want to see it put together. Most of them had just had enough, didn't want anything to do with it, were tired, and they just went about their own thing. But God put it on Nehemiah's heart, he said, we can't, we can't just leave that like it is anymore. Somebody has to get up and do something. We cannot allow God's place, his presence, his temple to be left in ruins. And so here he was struggling within his heart. He knew God had put something in his heart. And despite his fear, he went to the king and he said, I have something I need to ask. And he asked the king to let him go. From his responsibilities and obligations. And what is interesting about Nehemiah is as you read the story of what what had transpired that he was far more concerned about what the king was going to do when asking for this than he was with what the kinds of trouble he was going to find himself in when he began to start rebuilding he had no concerns about what they were going to do. He didn't have any concerns about what the people who were going to come at him, they're going to you know, start taunting him and threatening him and carrying on because the enemy did not want anything to do with seeing that temple being rebuilt. But once Nehemiah finally got his permission, because he knew when God put it on his heart and he said, you know what? Despite the fact of how I feel, God is far more important to me than how I feel. So I'm going to go to the king and tell him. Because God's hand is so strongly upon me, I can't avoid this. I can't ignore it. And so he asked the king, and the king said, how much time are you going to need? And he began to explain to him, and he said, you have my permission, you have my blessing, you can go. And then he asked the king for an edict. He asked for a letter to say that when I go, I'm going to have this letter signifying that you have given me permission so they wouldn't think that I've abdicated my responsibility and I was on the run. And then he went ahead. And he got these people together. And he started to say, listen, we can't just leave this place in ruins. And you know, we might see for ourselves as we look and we're saying, you know, the church here has... Been through some changes and hasn't been all that easy. And it's caused a lot of people to have to think about stuff. But I think God is saying something in the midst of this. God is saying, just as He said to Nehemiah, we can't just stand idly by and just say, hey, we got to step in and we got to do something. And Nehemiah, He stuck His neck out and He said, God has put His hand on my heart. And he's saying this has got to get done. I don't care," he said. Of the and of all the opposition, and all the threats that we're going to get, we're going to rally. We're going to come together, and we're going to see this temple being rebuilt. And there are twelve gates that had to be established. Well, actually, there was eleven gates, and one gate of all the twelve gates, only one gate was not destroyed. All the other ones had to be repaired and rebuilt and put together. And these are the gates that I want to talk about this morning. But the things that, before we do go down that track, I want to just say a few things about Nehemiah. And the thing that he did is when he came together, he brought these people together. They were willing to cooperate, there was team effort, they worked together. But the sad thing is that the people that did come together and work together, but there was a few people who just couldn't be bothered. There were some that just said, no, we don't want any part of it. But those that did, those that caught the vision of Nehemiah, they came together and they were willing participants. This was voluntarily, but they did it. There was no coercion. There was no guilt tripping. There was no pushing and, and, and all that kind of stuff. They just willingly saw what was on the heart of Nehemiah. They saw a man that said, you know what? Something's got to be done. And, and God's in this. God's hand is on it. We've got God's backing. We've got nothing to be afraid of because he's on our side. And we're going to see this, this thing happen. And so they got together and they worked together. There was team effort. They were cooperating together, working together, and everyone involved had something to offer. There's a saying that says, not one person can do everything, but everyone has something. We understand that not one person can do everything, but everyone can do something. And these people knew that they had something to offer. And the interesting thing is, is that Scripture tells us that there was a group of people who were considered the, I don't know what it, what it necessarily means, but they were the perfume people. These people looked after the, the, the smells and the perfumes and the aromas and all that kind of stuff. I mean, today, if we think about that, we can say to ourselves, perfume people? Are that, is that the people that sell all those colognes and fragrances and stuff like that? And can you imagine going up to one of these people and saying, hey, listen, I know you guys just sell colognes and all that kinds of stuff, but listen, there's a build happening. Would you guys guys like to get involved, get your hands dirty, get in there and start putting together stuff? Well, that's just what these people did. They were the ones that looked after all that kind of stuff, and those are the people that we might consider, well, these are the dainty ones. These are the, you know... Less manly type kind of people. But you know what? They said, listen, we're in. We're in. We don't know what we're going to need to do, but we're in. Whatever's asked of us, we're in. We'll do whatever it takes. You've got our support. And whatever it is that we can do, we'll do it. There was no, well, we're not too sure. I don't want to get my hands dirty. Well, it's not something I've done before. I don't know if I got the skills or talents to do that. No, they said, you know what? We're in. And many of them, as they got involved in doing stuff, could have easily said, you know what? This is just a hard ask. This is a huge task. The place is a mess. And we're going to have all kinds of opposition. We're going to have people wanting to say, this ain't going to happen. And even for themselves saying, you know what? You really think we can do this? Us? Can we really see any of this good come out of all of this? They weren't thinking that at all. Nehemiah said, listen, this is something that can be done. God has put it on my heart and whoever's with me, we're gonna get in and we're gonna see this thing through. And that's what they began to do. And these were people who were not necessarily, you know, gifted and talented and had everything what it's gonna take. But what they did have was the willingness and the availability. That's all it took. They said, you know what? We may not be skilled in it, but you know what? We're available and we're willing to do it. The other thing is, what is amazing is that these people had one point in time, before Nehemiah showed up on the scene, they were just God's people. But in Nehemiah's book, they are mentioned by family. God made it clear and made it important that he was going to have them listed in Scripture for everyone to read. To say, listen, these people got it done. These people got involved. These people became a part of the solution rather than a part of the problem. So God made it clear. These people are going to be written in my word to be known for what they did And the other thing is they worked, the scripture says, they worked with all their heart. There was no half-heartedness. There was, well, I'll I'll give it a go, but if it ain't for me, I'm out of here. I'll give it a shot, but you know what? If I don't like it, well, and if it just isn't working for me, I'll just, I'll bail. No, they said, listen, if we're gonna get into this and if we're gonna put ourselves into this, it's all or nothing. There's no half-hearted, there's no I'll give it a go and if I don't like it, I'm out of here. It's I'm in. And I'm in it all the way. No matter what I'm going to have to face, no matter what is going to happen, I'm still going to move forward. I'm still going to keep my hands dirty. I'm still going to go ahead with this. If we're going to get knocked around, we're going to get knocked around. But we're in it. If you, Nehemiah, is saying God's in this, then you know what? We're in it. And we know God's going to see us through it. No matter what is going to be asked of us, we're going to get in and we're going to do it. The other thing is, it started at home. These people started at their home. So it isn't a matter of just coming to the body of Christ and saying, we're all going to get involved, we're all going to do it. They started from their home. That's where it starts, right at home. Not just coming to church and putting on a happy face and doing the thing and then go home and then life back to the the way it was before. It starts at home. And that's what was going on with Nehemiah and the people. They realized, you know what? We got things sorted out in our home. We gotta get things right in our home. And then we're gonna come together as a body. We're gonna come together as a family. And we're gonna see God's work done. So I'm going to list out the 12 gates. The first gate that, we're ta- that is talked about in Nehemiah is the sheep gate. Now the sheep gate is what we under, now there's various levels and there's various principles that are placed in these various gates. So there's many, many interpretations. There's many, many understandings of what the sheep gate, Represent. I'm only going to touch on sort of basically scratching the surface. But this, the sheep gate, we understand like this, all the different gates represent basically our life as a Christian. But there's other understandings of this truth of the sheep gate and the various gates. And one of the things is knowing his voice. The Bible says, Jesus says, My sheep, they know my voice. So the sheep gate represents knowing his voice. It represents sacrifice. It represents the cross. It represents also the door. Because these gates in Nehemiah's time are literal gates of the city. When Carrie and I went to Israel, I don't know, has anyone been to Israel before? So you've seen the old city and the gates are all there. And the sheep gate is the door that that says that that was the door that the sheep would go through in the days. The sheep gate was where all the sheep would come through. And Jesus talks about it in John, about the gate that comes through with the the sheep. And the interesting thing is, it is the only gate that did not have locks or bars on it. Because it is understood that the sheep gate is the gate of salvation, which is open to everyone that is not locked and it is not barred. It is open to all. It is also to understand that the sheep gate represents our relationship with with God. It it is an understanding of intimacy and connection and hearing his voice and and prophetic and relationship. Now, I wonder if somebody who can look up Ephesians chapter 3, Verses 15 to 21, and as soon as you find it, could you please go ahead and read it? Go ahead. <laughs> While you're doing that, I'll move on to the next one. The next gate is the fish gate. Now, the fish gate represents what Jesus said fishers of men, the disciples. It means evangelism. The fish gate represents evangelism and us being called to be fishers of men. This is about witnessing and sharing our faith and getting out there. And what later as I begin to explain all these different gates, I'm going to get some of you, I'm going to get you all, okay, to step into one of those gates. Now, uh, for most of us, we could probably be in all of the gates in some sort of way, but some have us more of a leaning towards one of those gates. And if it's okay, I I see Lorraine in that arena of the fish gate and what she's doing in outreach in in this area, what she's been doing. So I could see you as in that fish gate. Have you found it yet? Ephesians chapter 3, 15 to 21. Amen. So while we're going through these gates, I, I ask you to just think about what gate you think you fit. All right? So we got the sheep gate. So think about it. Okay? And then we're gonna, what we're going to do is if you, if you take on the sheep gate, those that are in that sheep gate will pray. You guys can pray for that. And then at the end when we go through all these gates, we'll come back together and then we're going to pray together. Because, again, we need to understand we all have a part in building and rebuilding. Everybody has something valuable to offer and to give, no matter what it might look like. No one is better than another. We all have something to put ourselves our hands to and to see something accomplished. Because in spite of what we might look like, just as it was with Nehemiah, to say, the place is in ruins. It's a laughing stock of the people around us. It's a joke. Well, that's not how Nehemiah saw it. He says, "My God's heart is grieved. It hurts his heart to see that thing just left like it is. And I'm not going to keep leaving it like it is. I want, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to honor God and I'm going to rebuild his temple. That it will no longer be a laughing stock. God does not want the church to be a laughing stock in our world. He wants a church and a body that he can say, and he can take ownership of and say, that is a church that I love and honor and respect. He wants to see a church that makes an impact and makes a statement in our community. And that's what Nehemiah was saying. He said, it's not gonna be a laughing stock. I'm getting my hands dirty. I'm gonna put my neck out, and I'm gonna see this thing done because God's hand is in it and on it, it's going to get done. The next gate is what is known as the old gate. Now, this gate is representative of the foundational truth. It is the old structure, it's the understanding of like the scriptures. There are things about God's word that cannot be changed. There's a lot of things that people will tend to want to do to say, "Well, you know what? You got to keep up with the times. Things are different than it was in those days. So we've got to do things differently if we're going to make an impact. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to make some changes and stuff. And then, in some regards, some of it is okay. But the foundational truths of the Word of God does not change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And is it important? as a people, that we do not lose sight of those foundational truths of the Word of God. And you know what? What I see in the old gate is those that stand as leaders in the area of the Activate groups. Those of us that are leading Activate groups are continually encouraging the Word of God to get into the word of God and understand its truths, to understand its value, to understand its strength and its wisdom and its knowledge and its understanding because we stand on God's word and its truth. And what is interesting, that it stands the test of time. It does not change. So the word of God is to be our anchor It is to be what we rely on. It is what we're supposed to understand and know. The Word of God. The revelational Word of God. The next gate. Okay, so we got the sheep gate. The fish gate. The old gate. Now remember, that's not about, you know, being old. Okay. This is about foundational strong word of God. Okay. So, if you take on this gate, it's not because you're old. Maybe mature. The next gate is the valley gate. This gate here, well, this is the gate that we all go through, really. We have our times of valleys. We have our times in, in our journey that we go through the valley. Psalm 23 tells us, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil for God is with us. There are many, many understandings that in the valley gate, those are, those are the times really that we grow. I would hate myself to admit it but that's the time i find the most where i'm being stretched when i really really grow and sometimes it can be painful and you know what i learned that sunday morning when i had a kidney stone and i tell you your prayer changes when you're going through it it's God help, God help, God help. But you know what? Despite the fact that I still had to endure the pain, he didn't take it away. I knew he was with me. I knew he was there. And it's in moments of these valleys and these trials and these tribulations we go through is where really we find out what we're made of. We can say the words, we can say what we want to say, but in the midst of trials, in the midst of the painful situations and circumstances, that's where we really find out what we're made of. That's where we really find out what our relationship with God is really made of. Is it in the midst like Nehemiah looked and he said, You know what? It's a ruin. God's temple is ruined, and I just can't be bothered. It will be taking a lot of effort. It will take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of energy. I'm going to have to get these people involved. I got to get people rallied together. Do I want even to take the time to do that? No, because he said, you know what? God put something on my heart. I'm going to step into this. No matter what it's going to take, no matter how hard it is, no matter how painful it might be, no matter what it's asking of me, I'm going to do it. And he did it. So the valley gate, this here I see it as a a gate of those that know what it is to mentor. And those are people that I would see as people like Sam, Steve, Joel, Mel and John, Matt and Tanya, many, many of us, even Daniel. Even in your workplace, you're mentoring people. The Valley Gate is saying, you know what? People go through hard times, but I'm going to journey with them. I'm going to walk with them through their difficulties and challenges so they don't feel like they're walking through this alone. I'm going to journey with them. Many of us, I'm sure, do that the journey with people and help them along their journey so that they're not alone in their trials and difficulties and challenges, spurring them on, saying, you know what? I know this has got to be difficult for you, but you know what? As a believer, you got what it takes. I know you're going to get through this. It may be hard right now, but you know what? I'm in your corner. I'm praying for you. You got people praying for you, and you know what? You're going to get through this. That's what's needful in the valley gate, people who are willing to be mentors, teach people, encourage people, help people, support people. And the interesting thing is for us to understand is that Nehemiah, his name means Jehovah comforts. Jeremiah represents the Holy Spirit, the comforter. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, the comforter, he comes alongside and helps and encourages. And so when we do just that, we are aligned with the Holy Spirit and saying, you know what? I'm gonna come alongside and help. I'm gonna encourage. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna love. And help these people walk through their journey. Because we all need it. We all need people that say, You know, you're not in this alone. We will journey with you. This is what the church does. This is what the people of God does. This is what these people in Nehemiah's time did. They said, you know what, Nehemiah, you don't have to do it alone. We're going to rally. We're going to come alongside of and we're going to get involved. Whatever it is that you want of us, we're in, and we'll do what we need to do. And these people started finding areas and said, you know what, we'll take this gate. We'll take this gate over here. And you know what, we'll do this gate over here. They put their hands to it. They got in and they went at it. Many of them probably said, you know what? We may not have the skills, but you know what? You you want us, we're in and we'll do what we got to do. And they picked the gate and they went at it. Now here's the next gate. Now this gate, well, it's a different kind of gate and it's not maybe the best, most influential gate. It is what is known as the Dung Gate. Not, en- not everyone is going to raise their hand and say, hey, I'll take that gate. I'm right there. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. But you know what? I'll surprise you. Some of you are actually in that gate and you do it well. Because the dung gate, the dung gate is the gate where people would take the rubbish. And that's where they would dump it, in the, in the uh, dung gate. Now, again, face value, you might just say, well, I'm not putting my hand up for that. But you know what? It's, it's all in your perspective. It really is. Because you know what? People like Terry and Michael, Kate, they do it. Those of you who are in the Freedom in Christ, Walk in Freedom prayer ministry, that's what you're doing. You're helping people walk through the rubbish. You're there to see them put all that rubbish to the side and get rid of it. Yeah, it's a messy one. It, may, it ain't glamorous. And it can be difficult. Heart-wrenching sometimes and what you have to see people go through. We heard there a couple of weeks ago of the testimony of what was, uh, skies. can you imagine having to listen to that kind of stuff in prayer ministry? The walk in freedom and freedom in Christ. Can you imagine the pain and the hurt and the agony that you have to listen to and have to walk people through These very, very traumatic experiences. But these people are dedicated. These are people who say, you know what? God loves these people. God has plans for these people. And I'm going to walk with them. I'm going to see them through this. I'm going to pray with them. And we're going to walk them through forgiveness, whatever it takes to cause these people to come into their freedom. So though, yeah, the dungate, maybe not so glamorous, And that's something that people say, yeah, I want to be a part of this, but you know what? Hats off to you that do it. Because it is hard. Heart-wrenching. But oh, oh, the amazing victory that you get to experience with them when you see them come into their freedom. And I've done, I've been to the um, school, a 20-day school, and I've done many of the, um, Prime ministry training stuff. And so I see and experienced and seen the wonderful, wonderful, amazing stuff that happens when you become a part of this. So if you're not, think about it. It is an amazing feeling when you get to see somebody come and experience freedom. Yeah, you got to go through the crap but the freedom that these people experience. I tell you, if many of these gates, they're all important, but I know that the Dung Gate, that's for victory is happening in people's lives. And so again, I say hats off to you that do it. And I say to you, keep doing it because you know it is rewarding. And I, you know what, this is just my personal opinion because I've, I've, you know, But I know God just smiles down on people that say, you know what, I know it can't be easy, but thank you. I'm sure God would be the one to say thank you for what you do to bring people into freedom. We know that it's the cross that does it. We know it's his forgiveness, but to facilitate that, you're facilitating his heart to the broken and to the hurting and to the desperately needy ones. So those of you that do prayer ministry, That'll be your gate. But it's a good one, trust me. The next one. This is the? Yeah, and it's not the shopping center, okay? It's not the shopping center. But I will would, would say this, though. I will say this, that I see that man there a lot at the fountain gate. Because it worked, and not, not because he's shopping, but because he does some work there. And hats off to him there. See, the fountain gate represents the cleansing. It represents Holy Spirit. It represents, as the Bible says, that the rivers of living water that flows from the innermost part. So, you know what? If you don't mind me saying, Darren, I don't think it's a mistake that you're a part of the fountain gate. Because you know what? This is a man that does that. There's a man that releases the Spirit of God within them. And you know what, Darren? I have to say, God sees your heart. You're a very dedicated and committed man and haven't done much sacrificing. But I know God's got so much more for you. And he says that he has not forgotten you. And I know he's saying, he sees all the commitments and dedication, the sacrifices that you have made—it has not gone unnoticed. And the Spirit of God—that is within us. It's hard to just release the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. It's what we are told to walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. We are to walk according to the Spirit of God, to be Spirit-filled living, to be Spirit-led. It says when we walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We walk according to the Spirit. So maybe some of you want to join the fountain gate, not the shopping center. The next one is what we know as the water gate. The water gate, we we are told, represents God's Word. and many there are many scriptures obviously that tell us about God's word that it's it's the light unto our path and a and a light unto our our feet the word of god is what is important the word of god is what is being talked taught we learn and we grow and you see of all the gates this was the only gate that wasn't destroyed this is the only gate that didn't need to be repaired. And you know what? Watergate was number seven. And number seven represents completion and perfection. Number seven represents God's number. So the water gate represents God's word. And you know, I see that as God's word as those that preach and teach and share Thought I would see you as you, Jeremy. You got a pastor's heart. So I could see you in the Watergate. One who has a pastoral heart. Doesn't always necessarily mean that, you know, you are a pastor, but you have God's heart. You have the pastoral heart to, to teach and, and to share and to preach. God's truth, God's word, the truth that brings Freedom. The next gate is the horse gate. Now, this gate here is where all the horses would be coming through. This is where all the armies, and this is where it said that David's army would come. And this is all. So the horse gate represents strength endurance, speed, persistence, represents spiritual warfare. It represents intercession. It represents battling in the heavenlies in prayer. So many of us have a calling or a gifting or a leaning towards intercession and, long and love to pray and to do warfare, spiritual battling in prayer. So there may be some of you who would love, To stand in the horse gate and do battle. Now it's important for us all to understand that of all these gates, we're all going to take a gate of some sort. There ain't going to be one gate missing. We're all going to take some gate. You may not necessarily feel leaning towards it, but you know what? We're called as a body, as a group, as a family to see that all of the gates are covered. Just as it was in Nehemiah's time. Now one gate was left to be open and vulnerable to the enemy. They made sure every gate, every entrance, every entry point was covered. And what was interesting is that in spite of what was coming against them, they said, all right, well, in this hand, we'll put our tools. We will work with our hands in this hand. But in this hand, we have our weapons. They carried their, their, their swords in their side, and whatever they had in one hand was their weapon. So they were like, well, we're ready. Bring it on. We're going to stand here. We're going to be working, but we got our eyes out. And some coming at us, we're ready. So they were prepared people. They weren't working away with their backs turned to the enemy. They were like, yeah, we're We got our eyes on them. We're ready. We got our tools in one hand and weapons in the other. The next gate is the east gate. Now this gate here is the only gate at this stage that is blocked. This is the only gate that there is no entry point in. This is the gate that... In Matthew, Mark, I I believe it says, it talks about that was the gate that Jesus walked through on Palm Sunday, is the east gate. And it is the gate that Jesus, the Bible tells us, is going to return through that gate. You think some block wall is going to keep him from getting in? I doubt it. But that is the gate he's coming through. So the gate, the east gate represents a promise, the promise that he is gonna return. We live with that promise and we live with the reality that Jesus is going to return. This here is, is a representation. The east gate's a representation that this is what we're called to do until he comes. This is the gate that we understand is that it's relational and not religious. Jesus is all about relationship. He's all about connection and, and working together, not about religion. The East Gate represents change, new hope. It represents what Jeremiah 29 and 11 says I know the plans that I have for you, declares. The plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. The next one is the Inspection Gate. Now, this one here, this is an interesting gate. This is the gate where it's told that that's when everybody was inspected. The armies, when David would bring the armies, they'd come in, he would inspect his armies. He would prepare them. He would evaluate them. He would look at what needs to be taken care of, what needs to, needs to be adjusted, what needs to be done. So the inspection gate represents to us is the understanding that it is Him. That for me to live is Christ. That is no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. You know, last Sunday, Mel, I had gleaned some of her notes there on, from Sunday. And she, she had these statements. You'll never understand my love if you keep looking to yourself all the time. You need to focus your eyes and your attention on me. Have a little faith. Jesus says we are to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. God loves us because, not because we're good, because he is good. And we heard that this morning. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. And we are loved by him. That's who we are. And the greatest knowledge we can ever have is knowing God treasures us. You know, it takes God to love God. He is the initiator. And he says to us, he who has called you is faithful and he will do it. See, Nehemiah, he said, you know what? God's gracious hand is upon me. And you know what? He said, God will do it. And this is what he said to the people. He said, listen, I know it's gonna get hard. He said, you know what? They're gonna be opposition. They're gonna come at you with everything they got. But I'll tell you this. God's on our side. He's got your back. And you know what? You'll get it. You'll get through it. You'll do it. Because he knew. He said, you know what? My God is the God that's going to do it. And if God is for me, then really, who can be against me? His, his thought was, bring it on. Because you're going to have to deal with God. That's what it comes down to. You're going to deal with him. So we have the inspection gate. I know it's been a while we've got two more all right just two more the next one is the ephraim gate this one here ephraim represents double fruit fruitfulness bearing fruit fruit of the spirit character of jesus super grace blessing this is what we see is discipleship this is about helping people journey in their relationship with God to become more like him. This is about demonstrating and reflecting Jesus in whatever it is that we do. The Ephraim gate represents saying, you know what? That's what God's call is upon each and every one of our lives is to reflect Jesus, whatever it is that we do. No matter where you are, no matter what you do, You reflect Jesus. I remember not too long ago, I happened to have to go into the city. I do this chaplaincy thing, two hours, just two hours, every two weeks in a place in in, um, Brayside at a industrial place. They make plastic bins and all that kind of stuff. And so I was told, I've been already doing this for a little while. And they said, you got to come in because we're going to do an an induction. Now, me as a Canadian, I've never heard of that before. When you get a job, you got a job. Like, what's an induction? Like, what's this, you know? And it's all about them telling you what organization you're a part of and what their beliefs are and what they stand for and what what it's all about. So I, all right. I've already been working for them for a while, but okay. So I get there, and there's two of us who are just recently hired on and they sat, sat us down and they began to say, well, you know what? In the next 10 years as chaplains, they are going to be obsolete. We're already seeing a lot of uh, organizations that do have chaplains bailing out. And so in the next 10 years, you may not even have a job. I'm thinking, oh, I like this induction. It's really encouraging. I'm thinking I come all the way into the city for this. I said, wow, if this is what inductions are, well, I'm not too sure (laughs) I want to keep you a part of it. So I get back on the train, heading back like, well, there was a couple hours wasted. I'm thinking, I'm not sure what that was all about. But anyways, I get on the train and I'm heading back. And this older gentleman gets on the train and he's sitting down. And so I just started talking to him. We just had a little bit of a chit-chat. He says to me, he says, hey, he says, my name's Bill. I said, oh, interesting. I said, I got a brother named Bill. So I'm John. He goes, oh, that's interesting. I got a brother named John. I said, well, there you go. We have something in common. So we started ch- chatting away, and all of a sudden, he says, well, what do you do? I said, well, I do a bit of chaplaincy, and I do a bit of pastoral care, and I do a bit of this, and And he goes, I knew it. He said, I could see it on your face. I knew there was something different about you. He said, so that doesn't surprise me. He said, I knew there was something about you that was different. And so just as I was getting off the train, I said to him, can I pray for you? He said, oh, yeah. His eyes just were like wide open. And I prayed for him. And he said, John, he said, bless your heart. And I said, no, you blessed mine as I got off the train. Thinking that I went in there thinking, oh, what was, the, what was that all about? That was just a wasted time to go into the city. But it wasn't for God. God had something else in store. And that man whom said that I blessed him actually blessed me. And I told him that. I said, you blessed me. Because so I said, that made it all worthwhile. So you know what? No matter where we are, we can reflect the presence and heart of God in whatever it is that we do. There's a world out there that's suffering. There's a world out there that is fearful. There's a world out there full of people who are broken and hurting. And you and I, as we step into that world when we leave, are stepping into a world with the presence of God. We've got something to offer, and we've got something to say that these people need to hear. And not only hear it, they need to see it. Because it's not always what we say. It's what we do that makes what we say worth listening to. So there's some of us who may want to step into that. Now this one here is a bit different. This is the guard gate. This is the last gate. But it's also known as the prison gate. This is where, yeah, that's where they were held up in prison. This is where the enemy was put. But this gate here has a representation and understanding for us. Paul said it clearly, he said, I am a bondservant. To the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I am a slave to righteousness. We ourselves as a people of God, when we give our lives over to Jesus, we are no longer a people that says, hey, I'm going to do it my way. Coming to Christ is saying, you know what? I can't do anything with my life, but he can. And he can change and he can transform my life and make my life something worthwhile and valuable and important and significant. So do I want to rely on myself? Well, I tried that, it didn't work. Relying on him, I tell you, it has its great rewards. So it's saying, you know what? I am a slave to righteousness. I'm a bond servant to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is to him and him alone that we are accountable to, reflecting who he is, demonstrating his goodness and faithfulness and love and mercy and goodness. It's being a people who communicate and connect and are held accountable to saying, I want to live this life of Christ in every way I can. And you know what is interesting in all of these gates? And what I'm... Do we have a lot, do we have much more time, do we? What we're going to do is we're going to get everybody to stand and maybe I'll just get a bunch just to grab these, just grab one of the gates that you feel and then we'll just all pray together, okay? But I want to tell you that in Nehemiah 12 and verse 43, this is an amazing, amazing thing said. It says that the sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. These people, once they saw what was completed, done, there was great rejoicing happening. So much so that they could hear it. Can you imagine, as a church and as a people, if when we worship, that they could hear it all over the place? Like, wow, what's that? I hear something amazing. I hear something wonderful. I hear this rejoicing. Where in the world is that coming from? Coming from a people who know how to worship. No matter how loud it gets, it's a place of saying, you know what, my God deserves and is entitled to my exuberant, passionate worship because He loves and so do I. He has set me free. My God can do anything, He is the God of impossibilities. And the other thing is, when these people did what they did, the Bible says, Nehemiah 8.10, that the joy of the Lord was their strength. It didn't say strife. It didn't say stress. It didn't say energy. It didn't say anything of themselves. It said it was the joy of the Lord that was their strength. What caused them to keep doing it? I mean, physically, it no doubt got a bit tiring. But you know what? It said that the joy of the Lord was their strength what motivated them was the Lord's joy it gave them strength it gave them the need to say you know what we're going to keep doing this because God's joy was in us and there are these things that Nehemiah tells us in Nehemiah chapter 10 it says this these people said you know what we will not neglect the house of our God This is what these people had a consensus. They said, you know what? We're going to do it. We're not going to leave it neglected anymore. We're going to get involved and we're going to do something with it. And the interesting thing is, Nehemiah and the people of God, they said this. Our God, however, turned the curse into a blessing. They looked at the mess before and said, you know, is this even an opportunity for this thing to change, to be different? Just like it is, things, things happen. There's changes that happen. But they said, you know what? God turned it around. And he said, we're blessed by it. He turned around what the enemy tried to do. He turned it around and he said he turned it into a blessing. Because the people of God did what? They worked together. What an amazing thing. What a picture of what the church is to be like, that these people got together, they worked together, started in their home, they rallied together, they got each gate covered, tools in one hand, weapons in another. And they saw God accomplish what needed to be done. So what we're gonna do Let's try and get these gates covered. So one of these all can come up, join one of the gates. I need somebody to take on the water gate. Come on, who's gonna do the water gate? Come on, guys. Who's gonna take the water gate? What's that? One line summary as you go. Watergate. What was the water Watergate, sorry. Watergate, word of God. This is the word of God. Come on, come on, come on. All right, and then, okay, now, I need some people to join. Bronwyn, okay, find a little spot. Okay, where's the prayer ministry, people? Come on, Dungate, let's go. Okay, all right, and we're gonna line up right along here. All right, and then we're all gonna stand and pray. Okay, prayer ministry. Okay, Darren, Fountain Gate. All right. (laughs) Valley gate. Who will do the valley gate? Mentoring. There you go. Thanks, Joel. Okay, those of you, Steve, Sam. Okay. Fish gate, discipleship, evangelism. Lorraine. (laughs) Okay, and those of you who are into evangelism, let's join Lorraine here in the line. Okay. Wow. Sheep gate. Who's going to take on the sheep gate? Come on. Somebody. Come on. Ah, right on, Brad. Way to go. Way to go. Okay. Guard gate. Anybody, come on. Come on. Anybody, come on. The guard gate, that's, we are slaves to righteousness a bond sermon of Jesus. That's what you want to reflect. Anybody. I mean, we all really represent all these things anyways, so it's not come on. anyone, just... ah, thanks. All right. OK. Who wants the, the old gate? Okay? The foundational truths of God's word. One? The Word of God, people. the word of God. All right. Thanks Jeff. Alright. Alright, we got a few more. Intercession, prayer. Who wants to take this on? Thank you there. All righty. Okay, we got three gates left. Those of you that are still there, grab one of these gates or join a group. Come on. I, need, I got somebody here that needs to take one of these gates. The Ephraim gate. Ephraim gate is the double blessing gate. Alrighty, thank you. I'll, I'll take on the inspection gate. So everybody that's in the seats, if you wouldn't mind just jumping into a group and then those that got one, one of the uh, gates, what we're gonna do, we're gonna ask that one, one, one prayer, whoever you could designate to pray, to pray for that gate, okay? And, I'm, and I need to say this, people. Okay, this is really, really important. And that is this, that each and every one of us have something to contribute, whatever it is. We're valuable, we're needed in the body of Christ to demonstrate, to communicate, to love, to have relationship with one another, to encourage in the midst of what is happening. We need to rally in and just... Put our hands to the plow and just do what God is asking of us to do. Okay? So, we'll start. Where are we? If someone wants to start, just say a prayer and then we'll work our way around and then I'll say the end one. Okay? And then after that is over with, and I want to thank you for your patience. We're going to get Steve to play. He's a good, good father. And we will celebrate together. Okay? We'll work our way around, and then we'll come to the end. So, Heavenly Father, we
1: thank you for, for today, and we just thank you for the, for the Holy Spirit, the release of the Holy Spirit through the Fountain Gate, Father God. As a church, Lord, we just ask that, that he's uh,
0: free-flowing through all of us, Lord. And we just thank you for the opportunity that wherever we are and wherever we go, that that, um, that can flow freely, Lord. And just give us the opportunity to take away the blockages that we have in our own lives to be able to uh, operate in this and uh, to serve you willingly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I know it's a bit
1: difficult. Lord God, I just
0: thank you that um, you do have these 12 gates, Lord, because you have 12 different things you want us to cover, Lord. And the point is not that we're always in one gate, Father, but your body's always covering all 12 of these gates. And Lord, I thank you that in the valley gate, when the people are struggling, Lord, when there's people that are in the, the firing line, Lord, that there's other people they're willing to put the, their body in the way, Lord, to shield that person, Lord,
1: to be in that place that's a valley, that's, that's dangerous, Lord, that you anoint certain people for that. To be in that place, that's not always easy. So Lord, I thank you that, um, yeah, you've called certain, certain people to be in that place to help those to get into their place
2: to
0: cover the gate they're meant to be in. Lord, I thank you there's rest for us all. And especially in a time of a
1: valley, law where it's, it's hard, Lord, there's people there for us.
3: Father, I thank you that um, you haven't left us alone. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Lord, that just as um, John was sharing about Nehemiah and he talked about the people um, working with one hand and being armed and dangerous with the other. And Lord, I just pray that you teach us how to guard one another, how to guard your church, how to stand, Lord, Um, your word talks about in warfare and um, learning to stand. And Lord, I pray that you would teach us how to do that and how to love one another and how to protect one another, Um, protect the family that you've given us. In the mighty name of Jesus.
1: We read in, in the book of John, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. We also read that Jesus is the, the word of life. Jesus is the beginning and the end. So the word is God and the word is the beginning and the end. So Father, we just we praise you that your word was there at the beginning and your word is there at the end. And everything in life is founded in your word, which is truth. And we praise you that we have the privilege of studying and reading your word and encouraging one another. And we pray that it would be the desire in our heart to just immerse ourselves in your word continually and allow you to teach us. We know you give us us the Holy Spirit to teach us, but it's what's in the word that is hidden in our heart that helps us live a life of honouring to you. So we just praise you for that gift of the word in Jesus' name. So
2: This is the horse gate. And um, so, Lord, we just pray that you'll just raise people up in every gate um, to intercede and that prayer is powerful and that's um, how um, walls are pulled down and that makes a way for you, Lord, to just flow through in every gate, that um, intercession, um, just as it was in the the movie The War Room, um, people that have seen that, that it's prayer. Um, and intercession is what makes a way through for your holy Spirit to flow and <clears throat> for change
4: Lord, that um, we stand at the gates, Lord God, and just uh, pray into the spirit Lord God that that as um, soft foot soldiers of yours, Lord God, that we don't let the enemy in Lord God, that we pray in the in the spirit, Lord God, and that it gives ground to to the flesh Lord God, that the Lord that we can. We can push through anything, Lord God, with, with Your Word, Lord God. So, Lord, as we, as we stand at these gates, Lord God, with the, with the, um, the armor of Yours, Lord God, with the, with the, with the sword, Lord God, and the word, Lord God, that we have, um, we have all. All the gates covered in in your righteousness, Lord, and we thank you for that, Lord God. But Lord, as as we um, stand at the at the war room, really, Lord God, as as um, I was saying a minute ago, Lord God, that that we can press in, Lord God, spiritually in warfare at um, with those arms on, Lord God. So I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus'
3: name. Dear Lord, um, we just pray for um, discipleship um, in the church for bringing up. Um, the younger um, generations um, into um, yeah the knowledge of you and a deeper relationship with you, Lord. We just pray that um, that will um, yeah that will continue to grow and um, yeah, and that people who um, have on their hearts to disciple others uh, will step up and um, and also those who um, want discipleship and, and want to be discipled. Um, they will, um, yeah, they'll look to you and and ask for, um, yeah, someone to be put into their lives um, for that. So, yeah, Lord, I just pray, um, pray for the um, discipleship to grow in the church, and um, and that will bring us all closer together as a body in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>
5: Thank you, Lord, for. Uh uh, your word today to rebuild your uh, temple, Lord, in this house, and I thank you, Lord, that we're all being fish, and and none of us would be here if it wasn't for the fishermen, Lord. And, and so, as I stand here with my brothers and sisters at the fish gate, um, you know, we just we thank you, Lord, that the harvest is ready, Lord God, that that there's a community out there crying out for meaning in their life and for. Uh, for you Lord God that we, we all need you and, and some of us don't realize that we need you Lord but I just thank you for the strengthening at this gate that as we stand with our brothers and sisters Lord that um, you, you make the workers ready that you inspire the workers Lord because we're, we're all going to stand guard at our gate whether it's a, a horse gate a fish gate or a poop gate Lord that we're all going to stand there and and be watchful over it and and to rebuild this house Lord God rebuild this temple for you. You know, we just thank you that this is a great commission that we have that this is this is what you've commanded us to do that this is your final instructions on leaving Earth was to to, to get us to, to to be your disciples Lord and to make disciples so we just thank you that we're all fishermen we've all got our own style of fishing whether we like to cast nets or lines or um, however it is spear fishing however whatever our preferences is are we've all got our own style but we just pray that there's a strengthening and an awakening in this place. Lord God, that we all realize we're all called to be fishermen, just as we're all called to be horsemen and, 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 and keepers of the water. And just thank you for the word today.
4: Dear God, uh, the main thing I remember about the East Gate is John saying that uh, Jesus will return through this gate. And I just ask that as we think about this gate today, that we really just uh, remember the promises of God and. So we really just use this gate to think of strength and hope and faith. And as we really just walk through this journey together, thinking about all these gates, we, we grasp what every gate means and um, we remember what every gate means and we remember all the promises that God has for us.
2: Thank you, Lord, for the water gate, Lord, and that it represents your word. And God, we just thank you that your word is living and active and that it changes us, God. And Lord, we just pray that as a church we would change and become more and more like you. Lord, less of us and more of you. God, we we thank you that you are the living water, Lord, and that whoever comes to you will not be thirsty. So God, I just thank you that you bring truth and I just pray that you would reveal yourself more and more to each one of us. And Lord, help us all to dig in, help us all to um, walk into your water and walk together into your purposes for us as a church. Father we want to thank you for the dung gate and as much as in human eyes it's it's not the best gate to be in perhaps but Lord I want to thank you that it just reminds us of your heart for us Lord because we've all been covered in filth and Lord you have your desire is that every single person is cleansed and is set free so father we just want to thank you that we can stand in this gate and Lord, we can just declare that, that it is for freedom that you came, Lord. And, and so we just pray that, Lord, you'd give each of us eyes to see, Lord, through as you see people and hearts, your heart, Father, for people that we might desire to see them walk in freedom as you desire and to be set free and, and cleansed, Lord, because that's what you've done for each and every one of us here. So we just want to thank you, Lord.
0: Dear Lord, my prayer is for us as a congregation that we, like a flock of sheep, can pass through the gate to your salvation or through our salvation together. And Father, we just want to thank you this morning, God, for the inspection gate, God, that we rightfully can understand and have a revelation of how you see us and what you see about us, God, that you love us, that your love is everlasting, that your love is foundational, your love is what you see about us. Not help us not to see ourselves as we see ourselves, but help us to see what you see of us, God. And I pray that you would give each and every one of us the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that we may know you better. And I'm praying that also that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which you have called each and every one of us, the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints, and to know your uncomparably great power for us who believe. So this morning, God, we just thank you. We thank you, God, for what you're teaching us and showing us that we as a body, despite how small we might be at the moment, God, but you say that we can do things because you say that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And, God, as we come together and unify and we, we work together, God, for the common good, that we can see, God, you glorified. And it doesn't take, God, it takes you. It just takes you to get behind, God, and you've got our back. And we know that, God, if you are for us, then who can be against us? And we pray this in Jesus' name.